Hi, David Dennis here. Before we get started on today's podcast, I wanted to take just a moment to invite all the men listening to join us at our annual Kansas Navigator Spring Men's Retreat. This will be at the beautiful Crosswind Conference Center in Heston, Kansas, on Friday evening and Saturday, April 12 and 13, 2024. Our speaker this year is Mr. James Carter, the Ministry Director for the Kansas City Navigators. James is an excellent and dynamic speaker and will be addressing the topic, Making Disciples Like Jesus. Now, there is limited seating available, so be sure to sign up today at the link in the show notes. Complete information on the retreat will be found on our website at kansasnavs.org forward slash conferences. That's kansasnavs.org forward slash conferences. You won't want to miss this wonderful time of great fellowship, food, fun, and encouragement from God's Word. See you in Heston. How do I show genuine love to someone who is different from me? Do you know of someone around you who feels like they are a, quote, nobody, end quote? Perhaps they don't have a lot of status in our world or aren't accepted for whatever reason. Hi, my name is David Dennis, and I'm with the Kansas Communities Ministry with the Navigators. Thank you so much for joining me today for this fourth of six episodes with Mr. Al Ewert, Senior Leader with International Development of TUMI, the Urban Ministry Institute, headquartered in Wichita, Kansas. Today we start by asking the question, how can we move toward peace in our fractured country, city, or neighborhood? Our country has experienced a lot of strife, racial strife, disagreement, uh, challenges over the last several months and years. You have a heart for inner city and for um, folks who uh, have grown up differently than, than I've grown up. What would you say would be some of the um, ways that there could be healing, reconciliation, growth in the area of uh, inner city and race relationships? I think sometimes it's overused, you know, this idea of, well, find someone, get, get to know them. Well, how do you cross boundaries and things where maybe, you know, I've lived in the inner city. I still live in the inner city. So I've got friends that go back decades, decades. For somebody who's maybe not in a community like that, I think, Part of it, obviously, making sure our hearts are right first and just saying, Lord, expose anything in me that I need to be exposed. But we always hear that, you know, it's it's difficult to understand the path that another person's been on unless you know. And that really is true. And where can we start with the people? You know, maybe it's it's in, in a racial context, but I think a lot of times it who is the person around me that's lonely? Who's the person that's lost? Who's the person that maybe in the, in the world's eyes is a nobody that really is cherished by God, that I can love, that I can care for, that I can become a friend to, that I can know, that I can understand who they are, where they came from, whatever it is, if it's someone that's got a disability, if it's somebody that's grown up in an impoverished home, if it's somebody that's uh, experienced great prejudice, if it's somebody that's been in or came to our country from a refugee camp, you know, who's going to become a friend? 
and who's going to know them and understand them. I, I, you know, there's a few people that are called to the political world that are going to be able to bring change to a community and, and uh, you know, all those kinds of things. But I think the majority of people are called right where they're at. And who do they know? Where is their influence? And what can they do? Some are going to be called to maybe make a move to a community like I was. But I think the majority of people, it's called to be right where they're at and be someone of peace and love and character that can cross lines maybe sometimes and move into people's lives, be legitimate in friendship. Uh, people can know when someone's real. And if, if we all did that more, I think that would have great effect. What would you say to the person that is afraid to do that, <laughs> has never experienced anything like that, never, um, never has taken that first step to meet that person that uh, the Lord has brought across their path. Yeah, just start <laughs> <laughs> and, and make sure it just, and just pray over and over. Lord, help my heart to be right. Help anything in me that isn't of you. Just help in those areas. Lord and Sandy always went to Isaiah and wanted his own verses because Dawson Trotman had his own verses. I remember reading that in Dawes or something like that. But I had it written in the Bible, and I don't know if I read it, if I heard him say it. I have no clue. But it was on that uh, Isaiah 60, verse 22 verse. It says, the least of you will become a thousand, the smallest of mighty nation." I am the Lord, and it's time I will do this swiftly. And what he said of that verse was, my life goal is to see a nobody become a somebody for God. Mm. Well, the reality is, there's a lot of people who feel like nobodies. Yeah. And, and, you know, we always, I mean, I've heard this many times, that the greatest amount of evangelism takes place in that eight or ten foot circle. It's the person in the quick trip. It's, uh, uh, it might be a neighbor. It might be in a school. It might be wherever it is. Who is that person that maybe sees themselves as a nobody uh, that we can come alongside? And so praying about that and just saying, Lord, just... Uh, I want to have a heart for this, so please open and bring someone to me. Show me the ones that are there. And maybe it's a lot of little steps that move to bigger steps for us. Al, you've talked a lot about uh, relational um, discipling and investing in other people's lives. And um, the Navigators has really emphasized uh, a generational approach to disciple making. What would be some of your thoughts about what that looks like? Well, one thing, it, we've had many, many different lines of discipleship uh, through the Navigator Ministry, then through some other key individuals in Wichita that were maybe more loosely connected with the Navigators. But at any rate, uh, you used to, I mean, you still can, you could go into almost any restaurant in Wichita. And at a seven o'clock in the morning, you just see two guys here, three guys there, every restaurant guys with Bibles. And I was so used to that, that it, you know, you just expected it. 
Uh, one time, this speaks maybe to this generational thing. I was in a McDonald's, and this is decades ago, uh, when the downtown McDonald's had a lot of business folk that would come in there. And there'd be eight or 10 people lined up. And I was standing next to a guy, he had a Bible. And my personality is I'll just start talking to people around me. And I said, uh, so are you a believer? And he said, yeah, I just became a Christian. And I said, well, how did that happen? And he mentioned the name of a guy who led him to Christ. And instantly I thought, wow, because I knew who had led that guy to Christ and who had been in a discipleship relationship. And then the one who had led that person and the person who had led that person was uh, the dean of the business department at WSU who'd been led to Christ and discipled by Marvin Martin, who's been one of those great, he's 90, mid-90s now, in which I had great influence. And I, I walked out of that McDonald's, I've never forgotten that. I said, five generations. Now, there's a lot of guys, well, I mean, it was just women too. I'm just using, because I've been in the guy network. But uh, there's a lot of these uh, fellows in these restaurants that may not know that trail of many generations of uh, disciple makers in this city. And, uh, and I just, the fellow that uh, invested in my life was, it was a guy named uh, Ford Madison. And he started working with me when I was 21 and I was in the, he, he spent 50% of his time meeting with individual guys and the other half in business. And uh, I was a young fellow then. I was in a small group then with a group of guys he was meeting with that are all in there uh, 20 years older than me. And uh, he died a couple of years ago. And up until a year or so before he died, he always prayed for another one to meet with that next year, another one. And I thought, boy, uh, that generational discipleship it's hard to measure. And the navigators, uh, it'll never be known, the fruit of the navigator ministry uh, that now stretches all over the place because of that, that commitment to invest in another one or another two and just keep that going. The phenomenal impact and power of generational ministry. One person sharing Christ with another person then helping them to grow in their love relationship with the Lord, teaching them how to have a quiet time, how to memorize and apply scripture, and how to pass it on to someone else. Only eternity will demonstrate the tremendous impact of this ministry of faithful discipleship. As Paul told Timothy, his child in the faith, in 2 Timothy 2.2, the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Won't you take that step to reach out and show genuine love to that someone who may be a nobody in the eyes of the world, yet is of infinite value in the eyes of God? Maybe it's a friend, a co-worker, a neighbor, or someone at church. If you'd like more information about how to do that, contact us at radio at kansasnavs.org. That's radio at kansasnavs.org. 
I know you will want to join me next time as Mr. Al Ewert shares how we can stay grounded in the midst of so many conflicting voices as we learn more about making disciples naturally. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the navigators, nor of the Kansas Communities Ministry. Thank you for listening.